It was a disheartening first half for Hawthorne at the MCG, the Ds doing whatever they pleased, but the Hawks found a little fire to give fans something to cling on to in the 54-point defeat. We're back to sift through the positives and the negatives and look ahead to this week's bottom table blockbuster right here on the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and with me as always is my co-host, a man who must have been a little bit uncomfortable in the MCC this past weekend. Good day, Tiz. Well, I suppose I could be happy there was only nine goals in the end. I just uh... Well, it did look like they were going to run away with it. It looked very ugly. Some of the worst footy we've played all year that first term. 20-5, to five, the inside 50 count in Melbourne's favourite quarter time. Mm-hmm. That was the equal largest opening quarter inside 50 differential all year. Yep. Also in that first term, I'm dragging you through it. Hawthorne's kicking efficiency in the first term, 57% the defensive half. Over half. Yes. <laughs> Hang on. 20% in our forward half. Boo. <laughs> Hold on. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Not even on this podcast. Uh, early stages of the second term, we'd launched 27 possession chains for the game from the defensive half, two of which made it to our forward 50 for one behind. Excellent. Yeah. So when you look at the scoreboard, I mean, we can get we can be down on that. Obviously, that's pretty gloomy. Mm-hmm. But you look at the scoreboard, mate. It could have been so much worse than it was. You look at the stats, and I'm convinced that Sicily was just kicking to himself. <laughs> Twenty-seven touches at ninety-six point three percent disposal efficiency is just there elite. You go. He's just kicking it up in the air. He might again. as well have been. I don't know who he's <laughs> kicking it to, but he's he's putting it on the chest. Eight marks, team high ten intercept possessions, nine rebound fifties, five hundred and one meters gained. Now. Nine minutes, 40 seconds into the game, mm. James Sicily was outmarked in a one-on-one contest. That was the first time that's happened all year. Wow. That broke an unbeaten streak of 24 one-on-one contests. No line worked very well against Melbourne. No. They were far better than we were. Their pressure was better. Their intent was better. And then the third quarter was coming up, and I was thinking, oh, this is this is going to get real bad. Yeah, well, this is the, the third term is the one that we've faltered at all year. And we actually won it. We actually won the thing by 10 points, wasn't it, in the end? Just incredible for yep. them to, to pull it out of the bag like that. I didn't expect that. Three goals on the board in quick succession. I think Bruce started it, and you had McKenzie for his first career goal, and then Weddle following it up yeah. in the same, I think, two minutes, and that was an absolute cracking shot from outside 50. Incredible. Now, do we do we go, all right, Hawthorne, fantastic, showing some real fight, or did, you know, Melbourne... I think it's a, a tale from two teams, mm-hmm. personally. But, I mean, what turns things in the third term? Nash had 12 of his 27 touches in the third term. Day got going, and Newcomb and Sicily, they had nine touches each. Impey had eight. Meek was one of the best to field that quarter. So, I think we... We did well to win it back. And what I liked about that term as well is not only, only the fact that we got a run on, but the Ds basically went, mm, enough of this. We'll put our foot back down on they your did. throats. Yeah, but- which was quite impressive from them because I, I could feel that wonderful <laughs> nervousness that yes. the Melbourne supporter base just has locked in. Yes, know? the Melbourne of old. It, it, it's like one of those scratch and sniffs, you know. <laughs> Just below the surface, yeah. and then you can smell this fear. <laughs> smell this fear, and I could feel it. They were all like, "Oh, oh no!" Well, it, it just—it seemed like a different Hawthorne. And even when the D's did hit back and regain control of the game, what I liked is that Hawthorne—they didn't go back into their shells. We still showed a bit of fight, and obviously, we were never going to win the game. Yeah. So the body language in that first half. Mm. You could not expect what happened in that third quarter from that body language. No. Body language after halftime was much better. Mm-hmm. 
peculiar. Let's go through a few of the other best players for us on the day. John Newcomb, 26 touches, 84.6% disposal efficiency, six clearances. Warple had the same, actually. Equal team high, four inside 50s for Jai. A team high, six score involvements, including one goal one himself. Yeah, very good game from Jai. Against good midfielders, but the link isn't there. The outside link wasn't there. I mean, I can say all the things that went wrong, I guess, but we should... We should focus on the positives. Focus on the positives. Will Day, 29 touches, 14 of those contested. That's Mm. a big tick. Mm -hmm. Five clearances. When I was reading about the analysis of people who'd watched the game, and Damien Barrett gives us no... He gives us no benefit of the doubt, ever. Mm. But even he said, we show glimpses of being a good side. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's what the third term was, is that right? Yeah, I'd say yeah, so. That the game plan actually does work, whereas you look at the other ones, one on which we'll be playing on the weekend is just heavily injured, um, West Coast, mm. and then North, you couldn't have any idea of whether their game plan was actually cogent or not. It really, for us, as far as I'm concerned, concealed itself in the first half. I really didn't see much system at all for a while there, but... As we say, we found that mojo in the third term and got our game going. I think we can even just boil it down to an individual basis as well. You're starting to see players come through. And it's a huge story here in Seamus Mitchell, who's finally seizing his opportunity, grabbing it with two hands. He was the fan-voted MVP on this occasion. 27 touches, 8 marks, 7 intercepts, an equal team high, 9 rebound 50s. I think that was equal with Sicily. And 383 metres gained. He's doing that with under 10 games. Yeah, that was his fifth. Just, you know, you look at him and you go, this kid can be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it, it really signs off on keeping him on the list as long as they did. Mm. So very excited for him. And I thought he was a shot at the rising star, but uh, that wasn't to be. No, you feel like his time's coming, though. We had this question from Josh. Where do you see Seamus Mitchell long term? Does he move up to the wing to give us penetrating inside 50s, or does he settle into our back line and become an important cog? Came to the club as a small forward. Which feels like a lifetime ago now. He's, cause he's been mostly playing off half-back for Box Hill as well. Yeah, well, don't you think... Oh, God, do we need another half-back flanker? Um, <laughs> anyway, it's... Um, we need some forward pressure still. God, week yeah. to week, our forward pressure's awful. Yeah, well, I think you'll find O'Sullivan comes up and provides a lot of that mm-hmm. sooner or later in the next couple of years because he's just manic about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of questions about Wingard, but... Um, well, do you want to get to the first one here from Regan? Because we, we did have a <clears> lot of them, but I think this one is worth highlighting because it gets to the point. What do we do with Chad Wingard, asks Regan at Hawk Talk Pod. Almost feels like another Tom Mitchell situation. It couldn't be easy playing in our forward line, but he doesn't seem interested. Do we keep playing him in the hope of raising some trade currency, if he's not a free agent, or do we bite the bullet now? Well, he's out of contract at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. so it's up to him what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't see much point in Hawthorne playing him if he's going to put in performances like he did. No, he doesn't provide enough. He's not delivering on the promise that he held when he came to the club. It's simple as that. We, we've only ever seen I any I know glimpses. his confidence is totally in the floor, but that moment he had in front of goal. But that's not... That only increases the pressure on him. He is not going to look any better from playing at this level. I just don't... I think he needs to go back to Box Hill for confidence. Go back to go forward. I mean, have we seen the, the peak of his powers? Is he ever going to provide more than he is right now? I mean, what did he end up with? Eight touches. Yep. You can get eight touches out of most. Connor McDonald was ill. Yep. 
and he can come back into the side and give you that. Mm. And I'm a hell of a lot more interested in seeing that because at least Conor McDonald, I know, has got a lot of footy in front of him, is nowhere near his ceiling. With Chad Wingard, is his time over? Well, Chad is getting beaten by his opponent, which is the first thing you can't do as a forward. Mm-hmm. It's just a But if you get beaten, you need to follow up. You need to heat the pressure on, which I don't think happens either. Yeah, but often his opponent is actively involved in the next attack, and that's mm-hmm. not enough. Mm-hmm. You can't be doing that in today's game. So back to the question of what do we do? Well, I'm... I've never been so disinterested in seeing Chad Wingard in this Hawthorne lineup, and that's shocking to say because I I know that he can on his day be absolutely electrifying and bring some serious X factor that we do really need. We don't have a lot of that in this side, but we just haven't. Where was the last time you saw it? You know, he kicked a goal against Essendon, which was absolutely magnificent. Goal of the year contender. I'm not asking that he does that every week, but clearly the output's not there right now. Part of me is Chad's a good player. Mm. He can do everything. He's great. Mm. If you can't find a way to use Chad well, that's on you. <laughs> well, okay? so, so you turn this back on Sammy. Absolutely. Sammy has to take some part of it. Chad had a preseason. We were all told this is going to be Chad's year. Finally, he's, he's had a preseason. He's going to look good. That's what we were told. Everyone was up and about for Chad. He's going to have an influence. He's, uh, he's going to be a leader in the forward line because um, he's one of the older members. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an A-grade talent. Have we seen any of it? No, but you're saying put it back on Sammy to extract the best of it. At, at some point, it doesn't all rest with the player, especially okay. if they've got it in the bank. And Chad had it in the bank. Or maybe turn that on its head. At a certain point, it does rest with the player. I mean, inevitably, mm. it rests with the player mm-hmm. because he's the one that will be delisted. But if Sammy can't find a way for Chad to look good, other players around the league know that Chad's a good player. Mm-hmm. Why is he so bad at Hawthorne? Mm-hmm. Is that going to happen to me if I go there? Mm. Okay, you can't you can't take talent like that and destroy it and not expect you know a comeuppance. And the fact that Mitchell keeps playing him makes me think it's not entirely Chad's fault. Does he get a game this week? Against, yeah, he gets against a West game Coast. against West Coast, yes. <laughs> Where you could I could afford get a game to... against West Coast, or for West Coast. <laughs> you could afford to tinker with the forward line this week. Oh, which week could you not afford to well, tinker with the forward line? true enough. Line? <laughs> We're a work in progress. Should be happening happening every week. But it hasn't been, right? We've kept Wingard no, in there. No, they're trying to make a system work. The system never gets up off the ground as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, the system has to work without Wingard. That's not the future. I've decided that. Maybe, there you go. maybe it's a systems problem. Maybe. maybe. Do we get to the buy? I would not be at all surprised. We got to the buy and everything totally flipped on a coin and we saw a different kind of forward line set up from then on. Well, I have to hope that you're right because I haven't enjoyed it for the most part. There's been some shining lights. I've liked Fergus Green when he's been in the side. I've liked Mitch returning. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, this is, yeah, this is a forward line that needs something... A little special something different at the moment. Yeah, uh, now we move on to Scrimshaw. I mean, Scrimshaw not being selected and yet Wingard getting a place every week. Yeah, Hawk 1-2 and Kristen had uh, questions along the same lines, which is what is happening with Scrimshaw anyway? Not sure. Not sure. Is, is, is he still recovering from turf toe? Is that a long-term concern? And 
if it is, then why has he been at the very least sub in previous? Well, they call leagues? it omitted. They don't say injured or managed, do they? No. So he's uh, termed omitted, and we must take it on that on that basis. Um, I don't know why Scrimshaw can't get a game. I think his talent certainly, you know, demands that he gets. This is inner sanctum stuff at the moment. What what is the disconnect between how he's playing and what the coaches are asking? That's surely what it comes down to, right? That he's not executing certain facets of the game that he needs to deliver on as far as the coaches are concerned. What do you think it'll be? Well, I don't know. The chip pass thing? Uh, not well, like the fact that he doesn't take off running with the ball? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's what perplexes me about why he doesn't have a spot on this side because I think the talent is there. Um, I think last time I said they've got, they need to see more from him. I think that's still true, but he should be in the lineup as far as I'm concerned. And it's another one of those things. If you can't find a way to get the most out of that talent, it doesn't all rest with the player. Well, GF is out this week. So as far as I'm concerned, there is a spot ready and waiting for Scrimshaw in, on that half-back line. There just is. Yeah. Well, this is... When I when I talk about the coach has has some blame in, in the Wingard performances and, and even Scrimshaw's performance and, and not doing or n- seemingly not getting a game because he's not doing what's demanded of him... Mm. It's because when you look at Clarko, he would get players that were not as talented mm. and give them roles that were pivotal to the success of the side. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Mitchell's early days, he's trying to get the structure right yeah. and he's probably prepared to let Wingard flail mm. while the structure around him builds to success, mm-hmm. right? But if that's the case and he can't even get Wingard's psychology around that and, you know, you and I look at him and we go, well, he doesn't look... He looks inattentive, to be quite frank. Well, as Regan said, disinterested. Yeah. And if he can't manage that psychology from the player... There's questions around Dylan Moore here from Richard as well, one of our listeners, Richard, asking if Moore should shift back into the midfield to get some touch. Why would you want... We know Moore can do that. Well, that's it, isn't it? There's plenty of other projects rolling through the midfield at the moment. Yeah. That you've got to look after them first and, you know... The forward line doesn't function now. It's going to be less functional with without Moore. Yeah, that, no, I'd agree. Is that where we're going? Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. That You're robbing Peter to pay Paul there. And I, I know that Moore is really important, but it needs to click into place for him as a damaging forward, as it has in the past. Yeah, He can do that. He can be a match winner for Hawthorne. It just hasn't happened this year. And again, you do wonder, when it comes back to the forward line, Chris Newman, what are you doing, son? Well, I mean, there's so many guns that are not firing. Yeah, it does make you wonder. I don't want to heap it on one coach, but he was so successful as a defensive line coach. And now we've... Turn that on its head, and I'm just not sure. Well, I wouldn't say our defence line was any good this year either. No, that's what I mean. You've taken a, a chief asset away from that line. But we know why they're doing that. And we know it'll be on his head if he can't get this forward line functioning in some way by the end of the year because he's looking to be the the next AFL senior coach at some club. That's what Chris Newman wants to be, right? That's why he's doing every line. Cozzy and Moore basically built careers over what Craig McRae was able to do with that forward line. Mm-hmm. And now you're looking at something that doesn't work. And, yeah. Well, we've got it's... Benny here, one of our listeners, Benny, looking for the answer. Could the possibility of reverting Jacob back to a key forward and Cozzy back to a key defender benefit both players while also helping the current lack of key players in both areas? 
Not bad. Not bad from Benny. Thinking outside the box. Well, Cosie as a key defender was very, very much locked down and never touched the ball, which is not what you're after in AFL anymore. Mm. In the forward line, he had the benefit of not being beaten all that often, which was very much in the Tim O'Brien mould. <laughs> right? But what? now he is being beaten. He's being beaten and he can't win the ball. Yeah. And uh, so if you were to put him behind the ball, yeah, he'll take a bloke out for you. Yeah, I out, think he'll have he'll have a contest and take a guy out of the game. But in terms of impact in uh, scoring chains, I don't think it would be there. Yeah, but yeah, no, I can I can see that happening. I can see that that would, but they didn't do it. Like they had the opportunity, blank went off, Cosie's in. Do yeah. you put him back? No, they didn't. And again, when I, we talk about robbing Peter to pay Paul before, by moving Cosie, by making that call, by shifting him. You're not robbing much from the forward line. Or maybe that's naive. Maybe structurally, maybe systematically it does as far as the coaches are concerned. But as far as impact, it just wasn't there. Mm. So why not throw the magnets around? I don't know. But uh, Jack are playing key forward. I would, I'd give that a go. Of course, his body has to be right and he's still a few weeks away. Uh, Stewie Bro has us winning three to four games this year. We've got one in the bank, right? Yeah. We've still got West Coast, North, Frio in Tassie, and a GWS game. Well, on I, the presumption that we are looking to win games, <laughs> how many do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Stewie Bro did not ask that. That was an ad lib. Uh, well, where can we find some wins? Ti- Tigers. Well, I, I've suggested in the rundown that Tigers and Dogs. Did you see them beat Geelong? I did. God, that paid well. <laughs> Let's not go into all that. Love the game, not the odds. <laughs> but uh, Tigers There's and Dogs. something about the Tigers. In all the major games or in games they need to win, they always beat them. I was about to say, well, Hawthorne has to sneak an upset win eventually. But when you're 18th, every win's a bit of an upset, isn't it? Oh, but, <laughs> Apart from this yeah, weekend. Well, you know, we win it this weekend. You'll be I very know upset. I will be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! No, no, it, oh, it's it's such a lose lose situation. We, we, One we, of the best comments I've read on, on socials, yeah, is that they should definitely do like bottom four. It's a picking lo- a balls lottery. Out. Yeah, yeah, lottery for bottom four might be a good idea going forward. You have to do something just like to that. stop this sort of thing because you know Mitchell's got a sniffle. Is that right? <laughs> Sam Mitchell is out of action temporarily due to COVID. The club is expecting minimal disruption. Now, so who do we know who's going to coach on the day? Or is he going to coach by well, WeChat or something? Or well, WhatsApp? If it's, if it's good enough for the commentators, or good enough for Sammy, I reckon, <laughs> not to turn up. But uh, Sammy could be right to go. Is that what the club's inferring there by saying minimal disruption? Are they trying to say that he's going to coach on Saturday? Or Sunday, I should say. Eh, uh, probably. It does make you wonder as well, has it filtered through the, the playing group? Are we about to see a a, a mass amount of outs because everyone's struck down with COVID? I don't know. What say you? Have you heard anything? I've not heard anything. Well, unsubstantiated. What? So I haven't given it too much minds. But the idea that at least four players are on a sort of a watch this space. Ooh, any, any names? Don't have any names. You must have names. I don't. You, you can <laughs> tell me. It's just us. I couldn't even tell you off mic. I don't know who it is. Fine, make them up. <laughs> Sicily. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Sicily, Newcomb, Lewis. Day. Anyway. Harley Reid will be ours. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not sure. So it's just a bit of a watch this space. I guess we know at least that Giath is going to be out with a calf. Uh, Reeves is a test. He could come back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a side note, this guy won't be selected, but good to see that Jai Sarong is now available. Yeah, no, I, I like Jai Sarong's playmaking. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's good to watch as well. 
um, very much a straight line player with good skills. So will good. he be back this week? Do you think, or is he still? Oh no, I doubt not it. For, I, not for Hawthorne. I mean, for Box oh, Hill. even for Box Hill, I, I would okay. say that they'd likely take a cautious approach. But if he was named, then I'd be happy to see him in action. Um, good to watch, you say, Jai Sarong. Uh, very much unlike this game, uh, Sunday one ten at Utah's mate. I'll settle in and watch it, but it's going to be a weird feeling, isn't it? Because you, you just get the sense that. The, the people in the stands, the players out in the field, the coaches, they're all a bit conflicted, surely. They all know. You can't be ignorant as to what's on the line here. I can't be unhappy at the at either result, is how I should look at it. Not as a lose-lose, but... But uh, as I can reveal, an exclusive inside insight. Oh, yes. Just looking at you now as we're recording, listeners need to know that you're so... You, you look tense. tense. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> you, you gonna, look wound up. The whole game is going to be death riding. I I don't think I can shake personally the hunger for a win. I just think it's it's inherent for me. I I need to see Hawthorne it's, win. It's the head and heart dichotomy. Yeah, but my heart will always head be. says lose, the heart <laughs> says win. Yeah, that's exactly right. My heart will always want a Hawthorne win, but it is by logic it feels a little foolish. Yeah, but we're, we're going to get to pick one now and. Everything we should do with that. Before we get to it, though, miscellaneous listener questions time. Uh, this one from Mark. Hey, guys, who do you think is the closest to a rising star nod and how many should we have by season's end? And also, do you care? Well, Tiz, you answered this for Mark, which I thought was a bit mean. <laughs> you, you clearly don't care how many rising star well, nods we gonna say, Well, I was going to say, just comment underneath it. What are you, what are you saying? Like, a, be a reply guy with just Reese Palmer, but then... That would have had to have context because most people don't remember Reese Palmer um, because he beat Cyril Rioli to a rising star. I would say that's how he's remembered, <laughs> frankly. It's <laughs> only notable impact on the game, but anyway. The club wouldn't concern themselves with this. Mm. It's a nice nod, but, I mean, does it really matter? They'd have their own measures internally, and that's what matters to them. Yeah. How they feel they're getting the most out of their players, but I'd mm-hmm. say you'd have to say Seamus Mitchell is on track. I would imagine that Weddle does at some oh, point that in the bloody season. Bloody argument that's a body of work that yep. gets you a nomination rather than a good game. Yeah, a little bit frustrating. Wouldn't be surprised if Cam McKenzie got one this week. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That'd be my bold call for this week. Mm, that's good. I like that. I'm not going to put any money on it. That's more your thing. I don't think you can. Can't you? Not on a weekly nom. Okay, all right, fair enough. Learn something new every day. This question from Doc. If we finish last, now here we go. We're getting into it, mate. We touched on it before. Doc asks, if we finish last, I don't think we need more mids, and Harley Reid's trade value is at elite levels. Would love a bold play and for us to trade pick one for something exceptional, almost ridiculous. What do you think we could get? I like this. Doc has spotted an opportunity Mm -hmm. in Harley Reid, and he's going to make it a double opportunity. This is not bad. Could be a triple opportunity. You don't know what Doc has in mind. He's he's going for the big score. And I, I happen to look at some of the other prospects. I think Daniel Curtin would have to be in the frame yeah. as a key position defender from WA. Archer Reed, who you mentioned before, Tiz. Yeah. Key position forward from Victoria. But also, we've got one Will McKay. Yeah, well, he's coming anyway. And we we jettisoned those middling picks mm-hmm. so that we could we could take Will with some really low-grade stuff. Now, we're going to get to what Will's all about, but 
what what's your psychology around what's do, what Doc's proposing here in terms of offloading pick one and trying to maximize well, being a gambler, value? Nick. Uh... <laughs> well, I know I know what you've said about this before. The way you framed it in a previous episode, yeah, <laughs> you've basically said that it's madness not to take Reed. Mm-hmm. You stick to that. The rationale as he recovered from the concussion. <laughs> I would say so. In time, he will. Given that his medical's fine, you take Reed. But the, the, your rationale was you'll be hounded and I'm, criticised I'm endlessly. Sure if, yeah, I was projecting on what they would be thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've mellowed on that now. You don't so much care what everyone else thinks. No. If I was the list manager and yeah. I didn't take Harley Reed, you know, I spotted two yes. picks under five. Yes. And I still only got one of them right. I would be hounded. Yeah, you would. That's the danger. That's what even you're rolling the got, dice on. Even if I got two right, I'd That's, still have worries. If you got two right and Reed went on to be the kind of player that he's projected to be, it yeah, still, still wouldn't be okay. Yep, exactly right. Yeah. Hawthorne fans would always wonder, yeah. wouldn't they? And these blokes are risk-averse. The whole yeah. you know, list management strategy mm-hmm. is to minimise risk. So there you go. We've had our say. We reckon they won't split pick one, but... We'll see. We might not even have it yet. I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, this question from Nick about Will McCabe. Have you seen much of Will McCabe? And he is he a potential fix for our lack of key position defenders? Or is he more an athletic intercepting type? Uh, and Bryce asks, if we do get the number one pick, and with Will McCabe fast climbing draft calculations, do you see Hawthorne giving up the number one pick for potentially the Giants four and six with later picks involved? We could potentially secure two first round talents plus McCabe for essentially pick one. So you've already got two first-round talents coming because Will McCabe's going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. You're asking me whether I want three. Mm-hmm. That's essentially it. With Bryce having an eye on the Giants, four and six. Uh, no. No. Wow. There it is. We need to talk a little bit about McCabe, though. If you got pick two, though, you'd definitely take four and six. <laughs> so you're saying split... The drop-off is extreme. Yeah, split two for four and six. Yeah. Fair enough. Don't mind it. Uh, a bit about Luke McCabe. Uh, father-son candidate, of course, for the Hawks. 197 centimetre utility, lately impressing as a key defender, though. Uh, we had some great reports from Rookie Me Central where uh, it was basically described that McCabe starred in South Australia's win over a combined Giants and Swans Academy side. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was described as possessing incredible athleticism and interceptability. His markings really improved. Uh, recently, he also starred for Central District against Sturt uh, towards the end of April. He had 31 touches. Again, 197 centimetres, mm-hmm. 31 touches, 9 marks, 10 rebound 50s. Supreme aerial ability, Tiz, is what he's known for. He's got a bit of speed. He's got a nice booming <clears throat> kick. To be that tall and athletic. Yeah. That's exactly what you want. And this is something I noticed as well, that uh, two goals against the reigning Premier Glenelg back in March. So lately he's been considered a key defender, but you know he's, he's got all the talents of a utility. Mm-hmm. So it seems a no-brainer to me that Hawthorne just take him. Hopefully he nominates Hawthorne. I, that, that can't be in question, right? I mean, Luke's back at the club, for God's sake. I reckon Luke would be out on his ass fairly damn quick. I mean, if Will didn't nominate. <laughs> it's It's got to be science sealed delivered that Will wants to come to Hawthorne and I think we have to take him. We have to engineer him coming to the club and, yeah, whether that means wheeling and dealing to make sure that we have the points and we're not coughing up too much, I guess we'll wait and see. Just roll out the welcome mat for Will because he'll be a Hawthorne player. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the less we see of his talents from now, <laughs> probably the better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Again, I find my mind wandering to uh, Jed Rule. Whatever happened to Jed Rule? Oh, mate. Four Shh. goals in the opening. <laughs> That's a mid-season draft prospect, you reckon? It's next week, isn't it? We'll get to mid-season draft stuff when um, you know when it's a little bit closer when we start doing a bit bit of research. It's getting damn close. It's getting damn close. You just reminded me of that. Uh, this question from Jared, a bit of a different tone to this one. If he used a monkey's paw to fuse a past player with a current one, what would be your hybrid player's name, their best trait, and their curse? For example, Jared provides Lee Matthews and Dylan Moore, known as More Lethal. <laughs> He loves to kick seven plus goals a game, but he's suspended every other week. That's very good. <laughs> I don't mind that. I have some candidates. Yeah, it won't match mine. Mine's great. Go. All right, so I'll have to lead with mine then. Okay. Well, the pressure's all on you. You've got to outdo mine. Uh, Ned Reeves and Mark Williams. <laughs> Ned Williams. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Ned Williams, you know, Hawthorne's gifted sharpshooter with ridiculous height, but very poor mobility. Now, with the next one, you should probably invert how you've changed the name. Okay, I've gone Cyril Rioli and Finn McGuinness. But you've gone with Cyril McGuinness. Cyril McGuinness. Whereas it should be Finn Rioli. Finn Rioli, okay. (laughs) The competition's most ferocious tagger, Yeah, but very poor disposal efficiency and often undermines his flair for the exciting. Jesus. (laughs) All right, come on, let's hear yours. Chad Schoenmarkers. Oh, no! <laughs> Go on. Tell me a bit about Chad Schoenmarkers. Well, it's... Don't say it correctly. That's poor form from you. Um, well, it's just the determination of Ryan and the talents of Chad. Yeah? Yeah, that's it. Hang on. You've got to provide a drawback. You can't just say he's the ultimate player and leave it at that. Well, I thought that was the point. No, no, no. Um, Jared wants the deficiency as well. Oh, all right. The deficiency would be that he's injured every second. (laughs) (laughs) And and which player are we focusing on for that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This last question from Mel. Will this soon be the first time your podcast has been downloaded in Helsinki? Is Mel bought a VPN or... (laughs) Is he actually going to Finland? What's he? Is it a holiday? Is it a business trip? Hit us up, Mel. We'll know a bit. bit <laughs> no, more but about I'd that. say it would be definitely. Although we have had some far-flung areas that have listeners, there's quite a contingent in the Mid-East, which is interesting. There you go. Always very surreal to to hear where uh, people actually listen to the Hawk Talk podcast. It's great to see. Uh, we better wrap up, mate. Speaking of all things social, uh, however you're listening to us, whether it is Apple or Spotify, for instance, anywhere in the world, if you enjoy the Hawk Talk podcast and you do feel inclined to leave us a rating or a review, that'd be awesome. We'd really appreciate that. You can also find us on a bunch of our social channels. Very excited, Tiz, to be on the doorstep of 4,300 followers on Twitter. That's our social media HQ, of course. That's where it all started for us. So do get on board if you haven't already. We're also active over on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, I'd like to emphasize the contributions of our many proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers. We've been doing this show for about seven years now, and it survives and it thrives thanks to you guys. You play a huge part in making this podcast everything that it is. We're going to be bringing you some new bonus content real soon for your troubles, so do watch this space. For any of our listeners who haven't subscribed and you're keen to get on board, head to patreon.com slash hawktalkpod for all the details.
Well, I guess the headliner this week, apart from us beating West Coast, is uh, Box Hill play the Southport Sharks at Box Hill City Oval at midday. Yes, yeah, should be a ripping contest. On Saturday, yeah. Yeah, Southport Sharks, 12.05pm at Box Hill City Oval. Southport narrowly edged out of a win uh, this past week. So this will be two top contenders going head-to-head. Uh, we've got the Box Hill Hawks VFLW versus Carlton straight after that at 3.15pm at Box Hill City Oval. And, of course, the big one, the big blockbuster clash the day after. Sunday, May 21. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Hawthorne versus West Coast. 18th v 17th at UTAS, 1.10pm. Well, I, I can feel the excitement already. Just um... Come on, mate. What's your tip? Do you think we can get the job done this week? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm so insulted that I asked. Yeah, gosh. If you can't win, even without Sam Mitchell, there's a big problem. West Coast don't want to win, and they've got no Darling as well. They're severely undermanned. Every week they incur more injuries. What on earth happened to Darling? Fractured arm, I think. This is ridiculous. Like, if this happened in any other workplace... The air quotes workplace, listeners. Air quotes, right? <laughs> you know, WorkSafe would step in. The re- injury rate at West Coast is ridiculous. We have to win this week. It would be... I know the upside. We've discussed the upside of not getting the job done on this very episode, but we have to win. It would be humiliating. I mean, it was really bad last year to lose against the Bombers in the yeah. way that we did. That was awful. This would be worse than that. Thank you for that. bringing that back up. I'm just saying this would be a new low. Ugh. This list is better than losing to this mob. I have to believe that. PTSD from that trip. <laughs> anyway. What a place to leave it. That'll yeah. be the episode, mate. Maybe that can be our resurgence in, in Tassie as well. Don't over it off this can of worms This now. is going to be good. No, nah. that's it. It's the end of the episode. It's yeah. been the Hawk Talk Podcast. We'll catch you next week. They're cancelling the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> we are a happy team at Hawthorne. See you later. <laughs>